Today on Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet, a very Arcade Fire Xmas. Hello everyone, welcome to Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet. We are the only podcast online which reviews every Arcade Fire song from A to Z. My, my, what, what, what? Really, uh, bra- bracket to, uh, to Y, but anyway. Technicalities. My name's Owen, and here I have with me the interrupter. Alex Payende, as always. And today's episode is a very Arcade Fire Xmas, our second episode. So for anyone who's joining us for the first time, we're a podcast where the two of us, Owen and myself, review every single Arcade Fire song, one per episode, alphabetically, from Antichrist Television Blues, which was our last episode, all the way to You Already Know, which will be in years. We're going to be putting these out once a week. And before we get going, we just want to say that we are overwhelmed and humbled by the amount of support from everyone, from the subscribers, everyone who's shouted us out online and let us know how much you like the show. We're just humbled to everyone that said that. Thanks so much. We just, we have such a good time recording these episodes. We're really happy that people are enjoying them other than our parents. Thanks, mom. Shut up. All right. So, Owen, you want to get into it? Yeah. But first off, I'd like to argue the validity of calling this an official release. Oh, yeah, this is, there's a lot of debate here at the uh, Arcade Fire Sings the Alphabet production team, which is Owen and myself. So uh, go ahead, Owen. So when we started this off, we said, what songs are we going to do? Because obviously there's bootlegs, there's live covers, there's everything, right? And we declared official releases. The problem with official releases is what is an official release? A very arcade Xmas was recorded in 2001 at a party and then given on um, CD, CD uh, uh, to all their friends. Does that constitute an official release? Because it is not officially released now. You can't go into a store and buy it. I mean, you can't go to a store and buy a lot of things that are limited, <laughs> but they're still official releases. I think that when and the gang physically giving this to someone is as official as it gets. That's real indie, real independent. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this was before they were even, I mean, they, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, they might have been on Merge at the time, but this was certainly not on Merge. This was a physical giveaway. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on whether that's an official release or not. Um, I mean, we have three more to go on on this EP, so. Yeah, we'd love to hear that. Anyway, I, so. I, I, if we don't have to do them because they're not an official release, because the audience says so, I, I, I wouldn't mind. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll leave it up to the audience. Give us your input. We'd love to hear from you. Anyway, getting into the episode. So the Christmas album. Like Owen was saying, this was recorded at a Christmas party in 2001. Um, it was just a bunch of friends sitting around. They were recording. There are four songs in the album. They recover the Christmas song, the chestnuts over roasting over an open fire. They cover Oh Holy Night and Jingle Bell Rock. And this one, the only original song, A Very Arcade Fire Xmas. And yes, it was recorded in 2001 at a Christmas party with Wynn, Regine, and friends. And I just imagine at the party, like, hey, everyone, come over and watch us drunkenly perform some Christmas songs. It'll be a great time. And, I, you know, I think it would. What do you think? What if you're at a party and, uh, and, and I said that? I think I would have enjoyed it until I showed up and, and heard this song. Maybe, maybe I would have enjoyed it less. Oh, you think? Uh, we'll get into enjoyment in a second. Um, I think, oh, and have you seen the Netflix show Love with uh, Paul Rust and Gillian Jacobs? I have not. So in the show, um, 
like their friend group, what they do is every once in a while they'll kind of get together at someone's house and start drinking a little bit, and they'll sit around writing theme songs to things that don't have theme songs, like like words to the theme from Jaws or something like that. And it's just like friends getting together, drinking, and making music just for the fun of making music. And that just, it seems like they're just having such a good time here, and that's what it reminds me of. Fair enough, fair enough. So I like to talk about the context of this album, or EP, sorry, is that um, 2001, does Arcade Fire even really exist at this point? So I wrote a little ode to Josh Durr. It's D-U, I don't know how you pronounce that. Probably Durr, but I'm there. D, uh, but so... Josh Durr was one of the co-founders of Arcade Fire, him and Wynn Butler. And, uh, but why have you never heard of him? Because he wasn't on any official album release. That's how I said the word, official. Uh, <laughs> um, because what happened is, um, so he, he's, in, he's on this track, or as well as the other Christmas tracks, and him and Will, uh, or sorry, him and Wynn went to Philip Executor Academy together. Then uh, Josh went to Montreal earlier than Wynn, and Wynn joined him in Montreal, and they both uh, went to university there. They practiced in music rooms, and they, that's re- really when the band formed, and then Regine as well. Uh, joined the three of them, or joined the two of them, and that's really the formation. And that happened about early 2001. So what happens here is an, a non-fully formed, right, because only half the members of Arcade Fire are on this uh, Christmas track, uh, perform and, and get together for this Christmas party. So that's kind of provides some context. Like, obviously, like, right, Funeral hasn't been out yet. Just, like, for some people who don't understand the timeline is Funeral's not out yet. But it's it's the beginnings of the band. That, it's that about the same time as the Arcade Fire EP, which is something that at this time they weren't Arcade Fire yet. They were still the Arcade Fire, which was a, a very, very Facebook moment. Um, <laughs> drop drop the the, just yeah. Arcade Fire. It's classy. Thank you, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was this album was given as a gift to people at the party. I, I, it's just so genuine and, and just friendly. And eventually um, someone put it online. And, uh, oh, and you have something to say about that? Uh, about it going online? Yeah. I don't know. It's the internet. That's the way bands, that's very new back then, I guess. But now it's like everything is online. I don't know. What you Allegedly, mean. Wynn was a bit upset about that it went um, online. I, yeah. Sorry, I heard that as well. Is that, um, which I, is another argument for why it's on official release is that the band isn't actually even happy it's out there because it was never really meant to be associated with the band. The sound can be very different in this compared to their other stuff. And I, well, I don't think a band regretting a release makes it unofficial. But I, I do see the argument, but at this point that we're seven minutes in, I think we've committed. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, all jokes aside, yeah, it sounds like a really great time. They sound really drunk. They're making up words, and they're just rambling through lyrics. They don't make sense. They're making mistakes. Now, I have to say, I am disgusted that we have never seen a remaster or a re-recording of this album. This is what the fans want. I, I'm a fan. I do not want that. <laughs> um, re- realistically, though, uh, I collect a lot of records, and late-ish last week when they did a physical release of Put Your Money On Me Off Everything Now, which we're going to get to eventually, some places had some record stores that Put Your Money On Me playing cards, and people were swarming for them. Like, I would have waited outside Red Cat, Neptune, or shout out to any of the Vancouver record stores. I mean, I have too much time on my hands, but... If they re-release this as like a physical record store day release, people would be jumping. Okay, fair enough. It would get sales, but I don't think that's the top priority of arcade fans. No, there. no, no, definitely not. It, but it'd be cool, um, just kind of for the novelty. So to say 
the very, very least, an understatement, I'm a pretty big Bruce Springsteen fan. Okay. And once again, let's just shout out to Rob Carmack and J.B. Clark and their podcast, Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, which we are um, which we are directly inspired by. Thanks so much, guys. If you like Bruce Springsteen or if you love alphabetical format podcasts, give them a check out. Anyway, so Bruce Springsteen is famous for at his shows taking sign requests where audience members can bring a song they want to hear, put it on a sign, and show it up and he'll play it. Oh, no. I see where this is going. And so... One of his, he recorded a couple of Christmas song covers, and he's recorded Santa Claus Coming to Town, which is often played around Christmas shows, and it was a B-side to one of his singles, My Hometown from Born in the USA. And for a super long time, he usually plays this at shows around Christmas. And sometimes people request this song outside of Christmas. People will bring the sign in, like, July, and he'll look at it and say, it's, it's July, Oh, well, let's play it. And they break into Santa Claus is Coming to Town in the middle of the summer. So if you saw them in December-ish, I think it would be pretty pleasant and very surprised and kind of excited, especially because they've never played this song before. And, But I feel like a lot of people wouldn't even realize that this is an Arcade Fire song. Uh, so going on another tangent, in December, uh, I saw The Killers, which is another American band, and they're also famous for putting out Christmas singles every year. And they sound check one of their Christmas songs. They didn't even play it, but I knew the song. I knew they never played it before, and I was so excited for hearing it. And I feel like I, if I heard them sound checking or playing this song, I don't know if I'd be happy for the song, but I'd be really happy that I'm hearing it and that they're enjoying themselves with it again. Um, Suggest. I mean, the thing is, only half the band was in it in the first place. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it isn't really huge, and I wouldn't want it more than any other song that I really like, which can only confirm is Antichrist Television Blues at this point. Um, but yeah, well, I will see how we stand on this one. We'll see at the end. Anyway, I feel Wynn's voice in this song, it's pretty normal. Like, it kind of, he sounds like he does when he's speaking, not how he sounds when he's singing, usually. Like, he gets that, like we were talking about last time, that sort of arcade fire desperation voice like when he says you know then i'll build a tunnel or sleeping is giving in where he's almost he sounds yeah, desperate but doesn't have that here mm-hmm. and i feel like this might even be a point before he found that what do you think i think that that's probably true i didn't really hear it when i was listening to it I, no to be fair i did hear it It did sound different like when was very different but i i didn't, I didn't connect that i didn't connect the, des- the difference in the desperation voice but no ah, fair enough all right so First time I heard the lyrics, I was like, these are a good time. They're just kind of rambling drunkenly. It's, you know, it is what it is. They're not really putting a lot of thought into it. And that's generally what I think about this. But what if it isn't? What if this has some much deeper meaning that just went right over our heads? So let's get into the lyrics, Owen. You have the first verse? Well, I mean, it's not, mine isn't split into verses. Mine's split into ideas. Okay, so... You want to take it from the start to the uh, Christmas will be grand as well? Sure. On a Christmas day, early in the beginning of the century, down the road and there, I saw many sights that day, searching for the perfect present to give my love, knocking on every shopkeeper's door. Please produce a product worth buying, my love, a gift to show how I care for her, to prove my emotions are real this time, so she knows next Christmas will be grand as well. So what do you get from that? Well, 
the beginning of this century, this drunken rambling did occur in 2001. Mm. And also, it's a Christmas tradition to give each other's gifts. So, as you can mm. see, he put some thought into these lyrics right there. That's, that's, that's lyricism. I, I also made a note that um, the horn, uh, like a gift to show how I care for her, at this point, the horn gets a little bit obnoxious. It's a little loud. A little hurt. Well, he's well, having a good time. I mean, yeah, sure. That's a good time for him. <laughs> Maybe not the best time for the rest of us. But uh, what do you think? What, what, are you, what are you thinking so far? So like I was saying before, my initial thoughts were that they were just drunken ramblings. They didn't have a good time. But like I said, what if this is a hidden masterpiece? So from the lyrics, let's just set the scene here. <laughs> Early in the century. Let's go into that. Came out in 2001. Now, Arcad Fire, known for their very vivid imageries and metaphors. 2000s, uh, the aughts, if you will. Is that this Christmas? This century? Or is that the 1900s? The 1800s? Thoughts? Let's keep going. Let's dive down this rabbit hole. So, (laughs) the main character, he's in love. They're in love. And they want to show their love. And going forward, is this the first ideation of the now well-known theme of everything now? In Mick wow, Middle's great is, book Arcade deep. Fire Behind deep. the Black In Mick Middle's great book Arcade Fire Behind the Black Mirror, which is the only Arcade Fire biography, really any book other than the um, 33 and a Third Suburbs by uh, Eric Idelstein. Anyway, so in Mick Middle's book, he writes and quotes Wynn, who talked way 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 back and quotes him saying that Wynn feels people are spoiled by the fact that they have pretty much every form of music on tap and says that all music being available at all times takes away a bit of the magic. So it's clear that these Everything Now themes are floating around in his head. Now, I feel like most people will say that this is just wind riffing, whatever comes to mind. But what if it was something more? Drunken words are sober thoughts or how the saying goes. And was this boiling up inside of them even at the ripe young age of 21? Is this a critique on capitalism? The only way to prove his emotions are real is to buy her a grand gift? What if this is a blatant metaphor for Christmas consumerism? Thoughts? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the classic <laughs> Christmas tradition to buy each other gifts. And uh, No, it's definitely that. I 100% agree. <laughs> oh, it, it gets more. So going into the next verse. It was later that afternoon the sun had gone down. A little bet that I had knocked on just the right store door, a little man with a little stump of hair, came to the handle and turned it and opened it, and asked if I would enter, and purchase what would, well, where it was perfect, just a little bit good. So continuing the setting, the sun has gone down. There's no going back. He's already fallen into the trap of consumerism. And this little man with a stub of hair? You know who else has a little stub of hair? Just a snub? The devil. (laughs) A little soul patch. (laughs) And when he's turning the handle, is he twisting him? One more layer deep. This is a deliberate choice of a very arcade fire Xmas. Now, this isn't Christmas. This character is not keeping Christ in Christmas because he is making a deal with the devil. So Will Butler, Wynn's brother, and another person in the band, basic facts, has said that one of his influences <laughs> is the fantastic pioneering musician Robert Johnson, who allegedly went down to the crossroads and sold his soul to the devil for the ability to play the guitar, just like Faust. So you're saying Wynn Butler sold his soul to buy a gift for his well, love. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry, is, or the, the, the main <laughs> character sold his soul to buy a gift for his love. Yeah. is he? Did he sell his soul to buy the perfect Christmas gift? So going into the next line, if you look carefully, it says the devil asks 
him to enter. So going even deeper, is our speaker a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Like, I'm blowing my mind. Blow- this blew my mind. Because very soon after on the EP, <laughs> there's a song called Vampire Forest Fire, which we'll discuss in many, many moons. And I haven't looked into the lyrics yet. All I know is the a name. Con- a continuity story. So uh, was he waiting wow. outside to be, did he need to be invited in by the devil? And want to take the next verse? Well, I, I got a couple of things to say okay. on this Okay, oh, yeah, um, yeah, go for it, go for so, it. So uh, he repeats the word a little three times. This is the beginnings of their poetic language they use later mm. on. This is the birth right there, right? A little, multiple times. That's all I got to say about that, though. Um, <coughs> so um, next, next verse goes, I went to the rear where the glass case was, not very full, not over full, that is. There was just a small jewel colored rouge. You heard, oh, sorry, I said, how much for that red little jewel there? I think it's just the perfect communicative gift to show that I care. Absolutely a great deal. Uh, here, I, we, okay, I'll keep going. Uh, it's $873. That's the problem. I didn't have that much money, not on me at least. So here, we see there was a small, very small jewel colored rouge. This is the first use of French by Arcade Fire. As we know, mm. they're very well known for switching between English and French and are within the same song. And mm-hmm. I think it all started here with the color rouge. So mm. I, I like how we – this may not be an official release, but I feel like we can still really dissect the early Arcade exactly. Fire. Where they came from. <laughs> okay, what, what do you got to say? So at this point, it's, it's pretty clear they're like – they may have had some sort of thoughts in the beginning, but at this point, it's just fully ad-libbing, especially every once in a while, he kind of breaks for a bit. And so the thoughts are just flowing. He mentions the rear, the back, the last circle of hell, like the deepest, darkest. Going forward, is this the first ideation of Orpheus and Eurydice? There's so much here. Communicative red, blood, because they're vampires? <laughs> There's Not- a lot of blood imagery, I'd say. Yeah. And it says I'm, I'm, I'm down for the vampire. <laughs> yeah, the, the, it says he doesn't have enough money. What can he use when he doesn't have enough money? Yep, that's right, his soul. <laughs> Thoughts? I also uh, like to point out that um, if they were working in a building downtown, maybe they could afford the jewelry. Yeah? Mm. Maybe, maybe if you, maybe if you, you, you actually worked in a building downtown, you could afford jewelry. That's beside the point. Um, thoughts with the soul thing. Uh, he, we'll get to it later in the song, but he, he finds a way to, to get some gash together. Okay, going into that. So I ran out the door, and I ran down to the road, to the bank to withdraw some more cash money. I was sure I had enough, I took it all out, and returned to the store to purchase the rouge diamond for my love. Alas, I was out of cash. Besides, the diamond was just glass. 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 Indiscernible. Owen? So uh, I think this really points are strong, as Alex was saying. Maybe maybe it's not the start of the century 2000. Because the start of the century 2000, everyone would have a debit card, and they, mm. they probably would take a debit card machine there. You know, I, I don't know why he has, to, he has to run to the bank. I mean, would he be invited in the bank if he's a vampire? Like, would he stand out, like, how long does he stand outside the bank to try to get money? And then also what I have to say is... Uh, who saw this M. Night Shyamalan plot twist coming? <laughs> the diamond was just glass? Like, they really saved it to the end. And boy, I, I was surprised. The diamond was just glass. What, what are you thinking? Just the negatives of consumerism at Christmas. So, first off, I want to say 
they explicitly mention cash money. Now I'm concerned for legal reasons here, because there's the hip hop label called Cash Money Records. Are they, do Arcade Fire get royalties from that name? Anyway, lots of the jokes are falling flat. I hope people are still listening at this point. Um, so he took it all out. His whole soul. Like Faust and Robert Johnson, everything has a price. And he thought he was going to get the perfect gift. But the price, he didn't know. He sold his soul for glass. And as we know, glass is transparent. His soul is empty. It's still his just- heart is glass. Like another Arcade Fire inspiration, Blondie. It's all coming together. It's, 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 it's transparent, yes, but it's not clear. It, it, it is a red, red-shaded glass. It's rouge. <laughs> so, you got anything else to say, Owen, on that verse? Um, no, we can keep going. So, this is one of the strongest lyrically tense songs they've ever written, or it really isn't. And they just had a great time listening and recording and just had a good Christmas party, just as much of a great time that we had digging into this. So you got a, you got a good metric there, Owen. Uh, well, actually, but first I okay okay. We, I think you're focused too much on the lyrics. Oh, because this is an eight minute song, and okay. um, the first five minutes just have lyrics, and then we get this a uh, sweet slow a sweet jam mm. a jam sesh, which is like three minutes long. I'd say it's my favorite part of the song. Like the horn becomes a little bit less obnoxious. You get some nice Regine vocals in there. It, like seriously, it gets gets better. The drums come in like. My favorite part of the song is the three minutes without winning it. So, like, oh. <laughs> shout out win. Sorry about that. No, um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, like, I've said it a lot, and more than anything, it just it makes me happy because it seems like they're having such a good time. And we got, you got anything more to say about it? Nah. What, what, what sort of rating mechanism are you? I've got how many shoekeepers' doors? You got something? I got one. Oh, sorry. I have drunken mumbled lyric. So mm. n- not even any specific oh, one. Oh, the indiscernible. Indiscernible <laughs> drunken mumble li- lyric, especially at the end. The game yeah, is really... how many brackets indiscernible? I'm there. Yeah. What, what do you have? I have one out of five. Why is that? Because it's an awful, oh, sorry, it's an awful four arcade fire song. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I uh, you know, compared to the rest of the discography, it's very bad. Yeah, so anyone who's listening for the first time, you mentioned it last time. When we say one out of five or five out of five, it's relative within the Arcade Fire discography. So a five out of five is like a perfect Arcade Fire song. And a one out of five is a bad Arcade Fire song, but it could still be miles ahead than something else. But it's within the own uh, within But this Arcade one isn't, Fire. though. This one's a one, <laughs> and it's not miles ahead of everything else. All right, all right. So my rating, I give it a two out of five. <laughs> because all, jo- okay, all joking aside, this is a one out of five song. It doesn't really do anything for me. I wouldn't, I mean, maybe sometimes I feel like listening to it, but I skip it when it comes on shuffle. But it sounds like they had such a good time recording it, just the novelty of the song. And I had such a good time digging into it. My official rating, one out of five. But Your in terms of... Heartfelt rating? <laughs> heartfelt rating, two out of five. What's going on in the books is a one out of five. Now, I hope we didn't lose a lot of listeners there. People who were like, this is a five song. <laughs> and... If you're not, if you're not a, you're not a real Arcade Fire song unless you love this. And yeah, f- fair enough. I guess we aren't real Arcade Fires fans. On that note, tune in next week where a few casual Arcade Fire fans will talk about Abraham's daughter from the soundtrack of the first Hunger Games movie. And just to finish us off, again, we are just overwhelmed and humbled by the support. We can't believe how many people are out there that want to hear us talk about this. We're thankful for every single one of you. 
I appreciate every tweet we've got, all the emails, all the comments on Reddit and everywhere else. We're just thankful. We can't believe it. And so on that note, we want to say that we'd love to hear what you think. Like what we said, hate it, like us, hate us. We opened up all these venues where you can say that. So first of all, um, you can, if you like this, like and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review if you want to say something. And check us out on our website, arcadefirealphabet.com. And we recently made a Facebook page. So if you go to facebook.com slash arcadefirealphabet, we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be dropping every Wednesday. So on Monday or Tuesday, we're going to post a, a live version of that song if it exists and a link to the episode on the Wednesday. And so we'd love to see comments. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, if you agree with us, disagree with us, is your favorite song? Is one of your favorite songs coming up and you'd like to tell us something we'd want to talk about? We'd love to hear just all of that. And just so thanks so much, everyone. Again, join us next time for Abraham's Daughter. Thanks so much. Thank you. 